0: just like at a conference this entrepreneur who was just starting off or just getting started with his company um sort of like wells fargo got off the stage and he went up to the this executive and that's like what started what would become a sweet deal for him and so mm-hmm. i guess my advice for like young ambitious anybody is seize the moment man like um you know if you want to do something put yourself in the room with the person doing it Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I yeah, I cover fintech and I work for Cornerstone Advisors and just more broadly, I've been a long time um, fintech reporter at American Banker and Big Great, and I've written some stories for um, broader, broader news organizations as well.
1: How'd you even figure out this space existed 10 years ago? I mean it, it pretty much <laughs> did, it pretty much didn't. Right?
0: We could just say that was completely accidental. I was um I had moved to New York for for a jewelry job, I reported on the business of jewelry and oh. um, that pub was losing jobs. And at the time, I was encouraged to go cover um, financial services. So I just happened to uh, land into a job um, that was covering quote unquote, innovation changing banking, but it was a really, it was a really sleepy
1: time, um, but
0: <laughs> things were slowly happening. There was a, there were headlines from TechCrunch here and there, but like, no, nobody knew what I was talking about when I said that.
1: What, what was fintech like 10 years ago? Just, I mean, I can't even fathom that. I mean, PayPal was there and I mean, the-
0: PayPal was there, you know, um, Banks were talking about adding budgeting features into their digital banking. Also, I learned this This predated me, but online banking was then known as home banking, but that was even before mm-hmm. I started doing it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, one of the bigger things then and still now was all these banks wanted to have an innovation room or center, but it was really bizarre. They'd have like different technologies. You'd walk into a room, but it's like an ordinary blah, Um conference room with a few objects so you know it's it was weird <laughs> it's still it's still weird
1: uh-huh. what's the most memorable story you've ever written
0: mm. I could answer this a lot of different ways <laughs> and, but I'll go with the instinct so I love feature stories I've always loved like the human element even to a business story so one of my favorite things that I did was I shadowed a video teller at a credit union um mm. So it's like video tellers will work multiple ATMs and there was still like sort of a shock value to the customers where they're reacting to it. But (laughs) I just sat side by side with this teller and I was like having the best time of my life. And I'm like, oh man, I I might need some new hobbies. But like, that was just fun because there was a lot of color, you know, kids wanting to like Mm -hmm. conjure this bank teller or whatever. But um, I've always loved the data war stories, you know, rewind the clock and still today they're accused of being locking data from like fintech apps that's always been a storyline i've cared a lot about and i've covered it mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways over the over the years
1: what is that one burning thing that that makes you jump out of bed in the morning right now
0: right now in yeah. terms of fintech yeah or just like i'm having my own life crisis
1: how about you answer both <laughs> why not why not
0: oh my gosh well this is not what makes me jump out of bed right now about the industry but um You just hear a lot of the same storylines they like repeat themselves a lot Mm -hmm. so it's like bizarre um like people keep talking about the same things because there's not enough motion in them but but there's slight motion so for example with the cfpb pushing ahead on 1033 of the of the dog frank thing you know but that that's been a storyline talked about for like i think at least a decade i think it goes back to like really long time ago so it's just it's just curious to hear everyone say open banking's here or coming and you'd hear that same kind of thing like a handful of years ago so I jump out of bed being like why are the same headlines the same headlines but I realize the story is very different you know what I
1: mean (laughs) did you see the the meme that people were posting on LinkedIn saying that it shouldn't have been money 2020 it should have been money 1033
0: (laughs) no I didn't see that and you know I just saw I hadn't even thought about this yet but I saw there was a thing on American Banker there was an op ed talking about how 1033 doesn't apply to small businesses, which I, I haven't no. even dug around. I don't know. Have you have you leaned in on that angle of the the news yet?
1: I, I haven't really, but I think that, that hearkening back to the idea of repeating news cycles Eric, have you seen recently how uh, there's been jokes going around that if you have an AI, a .ai domain, you're going to get millions of dollars in funding still? Really? I mean, yeah, anything with ChatGPT, um, anything with generative AI, I mean, still, venture capital is super hot in that area. So right if
2: now. I go to Google domains and then I just put in .ai, I could be a millionaire? <laughs> I mean, there's
1: there's a jo- there's an ongoing joke saying that, yes, you literally can do that.
2: I don't think that's true.
1: I mean it leads to a lot of what I call what I've called in previous episodes venture tourism I think when when it becomes way too easy to get funding in a certain area people will who are not actually passionate about those things and might not actually know what they're doing will come into the into the space and and get money and I, I don't think yeah. it's really good.
0: Yeah no you see that and you all, I mean a lot of the hype and like digital bankers love talking about AI now but mm-hmm. like it's it's you know the the term is misused often in the industry and um yeah it's 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 a flex more than a <laughs> more, than, more than substance
1: i would yeah say. did you did you cover the uh the sam bankman Fried trial
0: no i no. did i did not cover yeah. that but
1: what were some of your <laughs> thoughts on it though
0: what are my thoughts on that oh my gosh that is like one of the most outrageous stories have uh i don't know what my thoughts are exactly what are your thoughts
1: i i think that he has uh single-handedly um set cryptocurrency and and the blockchain back um by by multiple decades because you had all these innocent people that put their money into that into that platform uh because people that they followed tom brady the steph currys of the world were, were promoting this product and then you have a man who, who so fraudulently took that money from from people. And it really makes people distrust cryptocurrency, um, which is, in a lot of people's minds, tied to the word blockchain, even though crypto is not the blockchain. Um, they, yeah. They're they interrelated, but they have different functions. One's a lot more broad. Um, so I think that he himself has single-handedly set the industry back about 10 years. That's my thoughts on it. I could,
0: that, I could see that as true. Plus, like, yeah, I mean... It's always that, you know, he was seen as a hero and then Mm -hmm. no more. So like that, the repercussions are even worse for that that arc. And in the media,
1: you see people calling him uh, like a young uh, Jeff Bezos, like the Jeff Bezos of crypto. And and now (laughs) it's it it goes back to the to the idea that if it's it's too good to be true, probably is.
2: Well, I mean, I think the hype of crypto. The hype of AI right now is very comparable to that. Yeah. So if you look at the strides that AI is making, you could argue mm-hmm. that it's offsetting the impact that the Sam Bankman-Fried trial had on the crypto market. Because when you're when you're fusing AI with crypto through the implications it has in healthcare and the implications it has in cybersecurity, then I mm-hmm. think that, you know, people are gonna change their minds once they start seeing that impact.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. We've we've talked about this on a past episode too, about how blockchain's implications actually are far, far more wide reaching than, than cryptocurrency is. Uh, but the fact that those two terms are so closely tied makes people hesitant to adopt it because cryptocurrency has gotten a very bad name for itself, uh, especially when you see run ups in price with Dogecoin and then it come crashing back down to earth. I mean, these things trade like meme stocks.
0: Oh my gosh, I know. And off, I, so, a sad storyline that happened, you know, I'm sure it happened in cities across america but like in l.a you know during the pandemic people Mm -hmm. are super stressed about my well you get some added benefits but also like a lot of people are stressed for money and they were seeing like crypto as their like way out of financial ruin yeah which is like then the people least able to make such risky bets are then like suffering Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. a lot thinking that that was their way to like pay the bills when no
2: do you think (laughs) do you think crypto struggles because it relies on hype
0: I think a lot of thing struggles because it relies on hype. But I, I mean, the crypto has a lot of scandals. You know, this wasn't the first one. It's certainly gotten battered over the years. Um, um. Yeah.
1: What are your What are your thoughts on where the U.S. economy is heading in the next? Uh... In the, in the following months. I I wish,
0: I wish I could give you a definitive answer. Everyone said this year was like the year of a recession, right? And yeah. we sort of like uh-huh. didn't really hit that. So, um I mean, we're still in a really high interest rate environment. Um, you know, uh, that seems like it's going to be going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um where we headed. I think next year, you know, banks have around the country are, are nervous to survive the year. Um, I think that's a fair statement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, but there's always, there's always awful surprises and there's yeah. also always wonderful surprises. So the economy, mm-hmm. who knows what will happen. Well, that p- given, you know, yeah.
1: Piggybacking off the point of banks though, the Fed are, the fed is also putting pressure on them through reducing the interchange, uh, the amount of interchange you can yes. take as well. So what does that, what does that mean?
0: What does that, well, one thing that I'm watching, I don't know exactly how it will play out, but you know, when interchange was the the Durban um, amendment before, like it opened up this neobank model of like getting the interchange in a way because they're partnering with these, you know, I forget the number, but whatever billion dollar banks where they Mm -hmm. can make more money on interchange. I'm curious, like what this would do for like fintech in general because mm-hmm. like that changed the whole that like changed the people playing in the in the game and i'm yeah. wondering if this sort of thing could also have an unexpected um outcome like that
1: but this is only for debit cards right yeah yeah so i i still so
0: although wasn't there something going on with credit cards too i feel like there's been a lot in yeah. The news <laughs> lately yeah there, there
1: has but i i i generally see a trend of consumers moving away from the debit card the credit card is is a much better product overall.
0: Yeah, because of, you mean because of the rewards or the fraud reduction or? Yeah,
1: I mean, and fraud is becoming a lot more prevalent, especially at smaller banks that don't have the infrastructure to uh, detect fraud using AI at a wide scale. So I, I think that especially at smaller banks, you're seeing a lot of people shy away from their debit card products and just using uh, CDs because a lot of them have to offer really high rates on those CDs to get deposits. Um, You see a lot of flight into higher yield because you have the big banks that are not paying interest still on deposits. So that's that's what I think. Um, The rewards on credit cards are awesome. Uh, The fraud prevention is a a key selling point. Uh, And and I think that American Express in particular has made a very amazing uh, premium product that people really uh, want to buy and use.
0: Well, you know I hear I hear well i would be curious like what are your, what do your friends use because I always, I'm hearing like younger generations want to use debit but that's more of a, d- a budgeting thing but then like of course to your point like then you're not getting rewards
1: uh-huh.
2: what do you think I mean I think they use a lot of Venmo yeah. I mean, that's the one yeah. I yeah. see most of the time uh-huh. but I mean honestly I don't think that Fintech is going to be affected by the recession because you know they were they were they faced a recession before and they came out on top and I think the whole the whole way Fintech is built, especially where everything revolves around new technology, even though you move through a cycle like this, it, it won't stop the builders.
1: I, yeah, and, and there's commentary that shows, and, and actually academia shows over time, that, that businesses built during recessions are a lot more resilient than businesses that are built uh, during times of a low cost of funds as well. Have you seen that throughout, um, throughout your time reporting as well?
0: Yeah, well, I would say I started covering the beat during like the 2007 2008, like mm-hmm. big financial meltdown, and so, um, yeah, you saw, you saw, um, I guess that's like when Simple was coming out, mm-hmm. um, you know, big campaign of like we're the anti bank thing, so it'll be like trend transparent fees and whatnot, um, and I think you know, the outcome there is like. Yeah, now the overdraft fees are really reduced if not eliminated altogether and that and that's wonderful. But if you look at it though, there was so much rhetoric about like how we're changing banking for the better during that and like mm-hmm. the reality is people's financial lives are very messy still. I'm not sure how much we've actually achieved at this point. Certainly the last crisis like opened up the gates for like rethinking banking products and services and so i would think the same thing would happen again but again like what what has the industry done that's actually changed everyday people's lives for the better i mean it's still
1: i mean not great i see just copy and copy and copy after the same the same product i mean you have you have chime you have an app like dave Uh, a lot of them seem like they they do virtually the same thing am i am i wrong in saying that
0: early in my early in my reporting i'd always try these products i'm like what am i doing this is all but it was like even funnier because it was like all these budgeting projects and i have you know i was early in my career i didn't make a lot of money so it's just kept saying you have a negative net worth um (laughs) but but to the your two point now yeah i mean this is a this is a cut and paste industry even from a fintech perspective i Mm. used to this is a show that doesn't run anymore and i it definitely is eight dot relevancy, but I used. it was like this, you stole my look, and it was like on E! Entertainment or something, and it was like just showing celebrities wearing the same look. But I often think about that for, like, those in fintech or those in banks, because I'm like, oh, they're just, they just stole that. <laughs> like, they just stole or borrowed whatever phrase you want to use, because, you know, something becomes... The, the carrot that gets people wanting to use the app for chime. It's like that mm-hmm. early payday and now all, all yeah. kinds of players have yeah. early payday, but oh, it's yeah. something that worked because, you know, it brought, it brought people need money and that, that worked.
1: I think that's uh, a sad reflection on American society that people need that kind of a product um, that so many people are living that much uh, in debt and uh, virtually off credit cards that, uh, we need products like that, and I'm not—I'm not trying to shit on fintechs at all, but I'm saying mm-hmm. that uh, I think we should do a better job as a society in supporting everyone.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh-huh. And oh, but that brings up the credit card. I've been seeing headlines of like how people are you know, piling up their credit card debt and yeah. not like paying it off. But then it's like then the other payment that we haven't talked about yet is buy now, pay later. Uh-huh. And then I know some people view it and I, I might fall into scat myself as like a dangerous mm-hmm. thing where you don't realize how much debt you've actually,
1: of course, earned. <laughs> earned debt. I like it. Uh, yeah. have you ever used a, a BNPL before?
0: Um, once. And I can't even remember, so I don't use it very often, uh-huh. but like, you know, I, I have lots of accounts, let's say, but yeah. I have also an account with Chase and that also lets you split up your payments. To me, it's not, I don't know. I, it's not, it's not the thing for me necessarily. Yeah.
1: I think the credit card is the better overall product because you don't get any rewards for spending on BNPL either.
0: Yeah, no. The but- Well, you know, well, here's, Here's something that was interesting and I've, I've worked with them in the past year but do you know a cruise savings
1: a crew not buy now Cruise savings isn't
0: it it's a saving it's like a play and buy now pay later but it's saved now and pay later and so you're like huh. saving up to buy something at a specific place and then you get a discount so it's like technically not like you're getting rewards on spending but you are getting the discount so it's like and then sort of Same thing that you're saving versus taking on debt.
1: So how does that work? Do I have to save up like 50% of the cost of the item to buy it?
0: Well, yeah, you get a card and you're like saving, you're putting money towards saving it. And then ultimately you buy the the product through the card. And it's, it's, this concept is also playing out in the UK and I'm, um startups names are escaping me but yeah it's a, it's a concept that's starting to <laughs> it's starting to be there
1: would you ever use that eric what a save now pay later app
2: no <laughs> like why would you not
0: how come, yeah. how come eric I don't know. why I just, wouldn't you use it i don't
2: know that's not that's not really my thing <laughs> no but like think about why you wouldn't
1: use it i just you're not getting any yield on the money that's the the, yeah. n- the number one thing i would i would say is when you're holding money. To, it's a FinTech like that. They're just lending it out. Um, and I mean, you're not well, you really going to look yield. at the
0: discount. Like how much of a discount are you getting? Because it's like, how much savings are you putting in that account? Yeah. How much would you actually earn? Yeah. Um, because the other, I, to go to yield. So I worked at bank So that's a, that's a property that just focuses on bank accounts and what they pay. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting there is even as, um, you know, it started getting more competitive from the fintech standpoint, but also like some of these online banks, you know, people just often keep their account with the, the big bank that doesn't pay yeah. anything. So it's like people, yeah, yield is what brings some people to stuff, but there's a huge portion of the population that doesn't chase it at all.
2: You know, if, the, if the society is forced to save because of save now, pay later, doesn't that lead to people making more impulsive decisions? because you, you you're saving everything you know for so long and then at one point when when you hit the pay later side now you're gonna impulsively buy because you haven't bought consistently in that long
1: it, it cordons that money off to 100 percent being used to buy something
2: i think it would a encourage a lack of financial discipline
1: i agree yeah
0: it, well think about it as more of like a savings goal it's like a savings goal account so like if you have like a vacation fund separate of this product mm-hmm. um I don't know. I've never. Do you set up mini savings accounts? I've never done this myself, but I know the principle. Like people are like, let me. Here's for my little trip. Yeah. Here's my, you know, no. holiday trip. Whatever. No, the, you don't
1: do it. the the way I The way I budget personally is, I'll I'll make money, right, and all of my spending goes on a credit card for the for the month. And whenever mm-hmm. I whenever I make money, I pay the credit card off, and the rest of it goes and is swept into a brokerage account for my savings account. So and then I buy securities off of that and invest. So that's personally how I tackle the issue. And
0: I think you're very advanced for your age. So I, I try. Props <laughs> <from laughs> to you, I was like, let me eliminate everything in my debit card and get a little overdraft <laughs> when I
1: was in, yeah. when I
0: was in school.
1: But it's an absolute scam if your bank is still charging you a fee for for overdrafts. I'm I'm sorry. I I think that's uh, it's not only is it very regressive in in harming the the most vulnerable part of society, it's not even a major revenue source for banks.
0: Well, it can be, or it has been. And that's like a shocking thing. And (laughs) like the credit union data has been a little little bit locked up, but something shined a light recently. I think it was like last month on credit unions and like how much they're charging in California Uh for overdraft. And some of them, it's like a real large revenue source for them. And it's like a shocking, like even if you're doing, even if you're charging overdraft fees, like, why this price that's so high? You yeah. know, it's like 35 well, plus dollars.
1: And then you hear about Wells Fargo and what they've done in the past with with forcing people to, to get overdraft fees, essentially, because they move money around in, in people's accounts. They open accounts and then move money around. So they purposefully spend it, spend it down. I mean, I think that stuff is just absolutely unacceptable.
0: Well, let's talk about Wells Fargo because here's another example. Like, they had a huge scandal, right? Like, yeah. people's... We're getting fake accounts opened on mm-hmm. the, ha- the bankers' word, but, like, um, they still have a lot of customers. Yeah. <laughs> like, people Why? didn't leave. Why? Well, it's far good go. Why? That's how, how strong the inertia is because people are like, what's better, right? Like, yeah. I think, an, like, an, like, an everyday person is like, what's mm-hmm. better? Eric- but, like, let's hope it's better than, like, yeah deceit
1: (laughs) if if your bank if if wells fargo did that to you would you stay with them if you were a a longtime customer
0: i'd like to think not i mean certainly not now not covering this but i like to think even if i hadn't covered fintech that i wouldn't do it Mm -hmm. because i'd be like what
1: is
2: yeah (laughs) What, what do you think eric would no, you, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I wouldn't stick with them because I, I I heard something about how Wells Fargo they were they were enrolling people in overdraft protection programs without their consent. Yes. So I wouldn't want to be involved with a bank like that.
1: Well, they also made fake accounts for
2: people. They did. Really? Yeah.
1: Because yeah, and, the, mm-hmm. and the, the story is that there was pressure from from top management to open, I think it was 10 accounts a day for each banker and that was one of their KPIs. Oh, because
2: the employees weren't able to hit the quota, so they lied about it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I heard that. So, yeah.
1: so employees ended up opening fake accounts, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in that characterization.
0: No, that's fair. I It might not have been ten. I for I have this phrase stuck in my head, and I think it's eight is great, and that might be right or that might be wrong, but I think yes, that was like- Yes, yes, it was eight their is mantra. great.
1: It was, yep. And,
0: and, eh, so that's, gosh. that's awful, and, and even today, Capital 1, I mean, they're getting scrutiny for- uh. um, confusing some other people like what product they're on and how mm-hmm. much they're they're getting an interest
1: and there was a scandal with city today i don't know if you saw it as well they were just fined by the cfpb
0: oh i did see it yeah. and that was on top of they just had pretty damning story in the wall street journal about how they're like if people are not opting in for paperless accounts then yeah. they can't get access to digital banking
1: what the heck <laughs> I know, That's. I, I mean. I, I mean, come on. That's
0: insane to me. But, yeah,
1: no. I, it it still baffles me that that people continue to bank with these large organizations when they they do not care about customers at all. I mean, I, I wouldn't I say at all, but but the 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 amount of care for the customer at these large banks is dwindling. You're you're looked at as a number, not as a customer. Yeah, yeah, but no,
0: they they still they retain. I mm-hmm. mean. They, you know now their apps are a lot better than they used to be, mm-hmm. and then also again like inertia inertia is a real
2: yeah. Well, don't people choose familiarity? Isn't yes. that why they stay with Wells Fargo? Yeah, because they don't want to switch. Mm-hmm.
1: That's part of it.
0: Or like this is my parents' account, or hey, I'm at college and this is the local bank, and mm-hmm. for whatever reason the physical presence makes me want to open an account there or whatever.
1: But when was the last time you've been to branch? Seriously. Okay.
0: I don't have a real answer to this. I mean, it will be a guess, but within the last couple of years, and I'm trying to think, oh, sometimes I get cash out at a bank, but like an ATM in the mm-hmm. like lobby for like tipping, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I do that over like getting cash back at the grocery store, but sometimes <laughs> I find myself doing that. Um and yeah, other than that, I, I haven't been to a branch in a while, but I will say the few times I have been in the last couple of years, sometimes there's a line, but that might just be a line because there's only a few yeah. workers there, that kind of thing.
1: I'm of the view that, that branches are pretty much only for for businesses now, businesses that accept cash and have to yeah. do deposits that way.
0: Oh, but this is an interesting thing because this has happened during the pandemic. Like Chime and a few other new banks started letting their customers deposit cash at retailers like Walgreens, because huh. it's like people are still getting cash sometimes, especially like service industries or something, yeah. and they need to deposit it. So it's this, it's this weird tension.
1: How does that work? How do you deposit cash for, for like how does how do those?
0: at a retailer? Yeah. I think you would, I honestly, I would, I would, I'd want to like revisit the story because it's a handful of years ago, but I, presumably here you're checking out, you're like, I want to put this in my account mm-hmm. um, kind of thing.
1: That's just really fascinating to me that they could put that those programs in so fast during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a fintech that doesn't have as much name brand as, as say like a Wells Fargo or a JP Morgan Chase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think all the hubbub about fintechs taking over large banks is ever going to play out in the long run?
0: Um, (laughs) I mean, people have bold words. They have bold words. Um, never say never it's usually my yeah. like philosophy on life but um i that's a pretty big ambition i mm-hmm. you know for a while you'd see you know fintech solving specific problems for communities mm-hmm. and now that model so banking as a service yeah. the the neobuck banking model if you will but like that's under a lot of scrutiny right now because you know the re- the re- revenue model is not mm-hmm. it's not making enough money and also um Some see it as risky, um, concentrated risk, because it's like a similar type of person. So just like SVB, fallout, like it's just there's a lot of scrutiny on it now. Um, But I before and maybe still present, I'm still bullish on more like said wiping out this big bank. I see it as more like solving a community's problem and really doing well for community.
1: I think that only happens at the micro level, though. When you when you talk about improving communities, I mean there are there are apps uh, targeted specifically toward specific demographics, uh, but yeah. other than that, a lot of these fintechs seem pretty catch all to me.
0: They are pretty catch all. I mean, not with their marketing, right? They're usually yeah. there's some kind of age group that they're going for. But I'm I I felt kind of like enchanted with this idea. I saw earlier this year there's a new bank that launched for the over sixty two crowd, and that's like most banks, of course, uh-huh. have the older crowd as their customers, but here, here here's an interesting new player trying to come up with features that would be of use. So a lot of, they just announced it this week, I think, a bunch like fraud tools to help you, you know, stay in front of your money. And one, one example of this would be like, you know, there's a lot of like scams of people like calling you for your bank account, but the app will like show, Hey, the person you're talking to is calling from the bank or not. And that I can't, remember exactly which but it was either monzo or starling that does a similar thing so like that's yeah. an example of something tiny that's like maybe pretty useful to certain people
1: I think the fraudsters have caught on to that model though because with, with vocal deep fakes now that's uh, pretty, oh, pretty easy to I know. get around have you seen the, the posts about uh, you, you get a phone call from a mysterious number and it sounds like your your um, boyfriend or your uh, your uh, grandpa or someone, and then uh, it, you get tricked into giving them money. That's yeah. I see.
0: I think the like stories. How yeah, that's really frightening to me. And like even knowing that that's true, I feel like if that happened to me, like I'd be freaking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be freaking out.
2: Yeah. James, have you ever had something like that happen to you?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> knock on wood. No, I haven't. <laughs> have you had that happen to you before?
2: No. Saying, yeah. I, I think I would recognize it though if it happened. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I think I have a good attention to detail with stuff like that. Maybe I
1: should make a deep fake of your voice and see if it you actually should. You sounds should. real. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. We have enough we have enough data of, of your voice. Oh really? Podcasts. Probably, yeah. I mean if I if I really thought about making a deep fake.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean I know that a lot of internship onboarding systems they now use deepfakes as their as their onboarding tool. Really? Yeah, so now you can when you're getting onboarded to set up your different systems and the directions they just use an AI generated voice with a face and then it's a deep fake. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, it's uh wow. we're taking away the human aspect of so many things and it's yeah. I think it's really honestly terrible.
2: Wait, Mary, I have a question. Do you think that with traditional banks that they'll potentially overtake fintechs because they have the government on their side? Because the government, they have such a hard time understanding exactly what fintech is because it's always changing, meaning that they're having a hard time on the regulatory side. Do you think that because of that, you know, traditional banks have an edge?
0: I want to say they have an edge because they're definitely under a ton of scrutiny themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, a banker would tell you fintechs finally getting what they're doing. <laughs> they're <laughs> been dealing with all this time but mm-hmm. or, or you can see it like the cfpb's warnings to so like the digital wallets the apple yeah. uh and the googles and such that that's like a big deal but like i would say banks are heavily regulated so i don't think it's like their advantage but certainly that's something that would slow a fintech down and so the pendulum swings a bit because of that
1: Mary, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, despite the technical yes. difficulties, we persevered. <laughs> but, no, you, um, you
0: persevered. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> we, we
1: ask one last question to every single guest that we bring on. Our main audience are young, ambitious college students at IU. Um, mm-hmm. And I always ask, what is one piece of advice that you would give the young listener today that would put them in a really freaking awesome space, uh, in a really awesome spot in the next five to 10 years if they put it in place today?
0: For like career development or how to work at a fintech or it could be any of these things?
1: The world's your oyster, whatever you want it to be.
0: <laughs> oh, no. My mind goes in a million different directions at once. Um, I would say um, to enter this world, um, I think of this one example. There was a startup, well, it ended up doing a big deal with Wells Fargo. And I know we bashed on Wells Fargo, but the story is still s- such a beautiful story. There, It was just like at a conference, this entrepreneur who was just starting off or just getting started with his company, um, sort of like Wells Fargo got off the stage and he went up to the this executive and that's like what started, what would become a sweet deal for him. And so mm-hmm. I guess my advice for like a young, ambitious, anybody is, seize the moment man like um you know if you want to do something put yourself in the room with the person doing it um the great thing about fintech in particular is that um it's a very generous group in terms of like sharing information but like do not be afraid to speak to anybody and um yeah just insert yourself
1: i love it thank you so much for being here um thank you to Dr. Monaco and Dr. Dokolich for their support with the organization. Thank you to the IU Media School. And most of all, thank you to you, our listener today, for being here. Have a good day.